the swingman podcast is podcast number 94 uh joined as ever as i am all the time by louis halpin and lewis howard to break down everything in the nba since we last gathered around um there's just there's actually quite a lot really to kind of jump in and dive and talk about at the moment um in the nba but i want to start off in particular i want to have a conversation around the denver nuggets um obviously still no jamal murray for the denver nuggets um they gave it was it was a max extension, wasn't it, to Michael Porter Jr. Or it was just mm-hmm. shy of max money. Um, he's now out for the season with um, shock of all shocks, a back injury. You never saw that coming. Um, and obviously, the the Nuggets like a year or two ago, highly rated team. I mean, they still are when they when they're fully fit and functioning. It's, they've got a great squad. But eleven to twelve now, start of the season. I had a big a big loss of the balls on the uh, couple of nights ago, and. It's sort of the fit now of like what's their expectations, what's their goals with with Jokic, Golden, and then like a few other players like Monte Morris and, and things like that. So that's really kind of where I wanted to discuss like what would be a successful season now for the Nuggets in terms of the fact that I, I wouldn't say many put them in as as I, I mean the definite championship contenders, but that no one would have had them as their favourites. But nowadays, for this season especially, and, and probably for next season as well, without having. MPJ back and depending on what Jamal Murray does with his with his injury, what sort of is uh, the expectations for them? Well, I was going to... I'm glad you started off with that because I was going to allude back to the last podcast where we spoke about over-unders and how they were doing. And we came to the conclusion that mine was doing the best out of everyone's. It was actually looking pretty good. Unfortunately, <laughs> one of the parts of mine was the Nuggets on the over and then MPJ has had to have back surgery. So that is completely dead and buried, not happening anymore. So that's great. But obviously a minor thing compared to the actual larger issue of two, two of their main players really having serious injuries and we hope they come back better, but it will be a very long time. In terms of how the Nuggets are doing now, as you say, before these injuries happened, even without Jamal Murray, I still had the Nuggets to probably get a home game, a home playoff in the first round. I, I probably would have said about a full seed for them. That is obviously completely gone, as I just said. You know, they're not reaching the buddy over that I said they would. And I think it will be a fight to even get one of those playoff positions now for them. The, the MPJ contract really perplexes me because they didn't need to give him the contract whatsoever. I mean, he's shown flashes of being, you know, a really good potential player in the future. Um, some of the stuff he can do scoring-wise is unbelievable, given he hasn't had that much time on an NBA court. But he's not proven that he can really stay fit over the course of a season. I mean, last season he was pretty good with it. But, you know, there still has to be some reservations before you give pledge your future to a guy like that. And 
in the both sort of playoff runs that he's had, I, I've not really been impressed with him uh, too much. I mean, the first one you can put down to a bit of inexperience or whatever. And then the second one, I just thought he kind of petered out when they really did kind of need him when you know Jamal Murray goes down before the playoffs even begin. Um, they could have probably beaten Portland. Did they? Was it Portland last year or was that the year before? Uh, I know they went out to... Uh, sorry, I've got my details mixed up here. Yeah, but I was gonna basically, say, yeah. Yeah, that was the season before, wasn't it? But in any case, I haven't been impressed with him in really any case in sort of um, experienced playoff moments. And yeah, his, his injury record was just a joke even before coming into the NBA. I think I heard someone say that when they were a GM of a team, you know, drafting in that year's draft, and that was a good draft as well, he had the worst medical record they had ever seen for any player coming through in the NBA draft. Um, so I think a lot of sort of caution probably was warranted. And I mean, they didn't really play him the first season, didn't play him much the second season either. And then to just sort of give him this big contract just seems ludicrous to me. And now I think they're kind of paying for it because I don't think he's ever going to consistently stay healthy. And they've tied up a lot of money in those three now and the flexibility becomes quite limited. So it's unfortunate because I think with those three sort of fit and firing, they could be a sort of real sleeper contender in the West because Jokic is so, so good. Like yeah. he, mm. he sort of commands that on his own. But, you know, we'll see how Jamal is when he gets back. I think he'll be okay. I've never fully been convinced by him either. He'll have good moments and he'll have bad moments. We had that legendary playoff series with Donovan Mitchell, didn't they? When they were yeah, I mean, well, not even just that series, <laughs> that bubble. whole playoffs, that yeah. whole playoffs. Yeah. But yeah, like when you think of, if you think of Jamal Murray in a playoffs, you, I mean, I don't know about you, but I always think of that Donovan Mitchell thing where they were just dropping fifty on each other. Yeah, mm. so. uh, but he was immense against the Clippers as well. Yeah, they, especially they, in that last game, he yeah, outscored exactly. PG and Kawhi combined. I think. Yeah, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm not denying he's a good player. I just think he's very inconsistent. Um, mm. So that that's always concerned me slightly. It feels like Jokic is going to be sort of this generation's Dirk, where you know I can I can never see him leaving leaving Denver. So it'll be like a case of him being this this one one man you know one man team for a lot of the time, and if there is even such a thing these days. But the the pieces around him, it feels like you're sort of wasting some prime Jokic years and. I don't um, think you want to do that, but I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that actually. Mm-hmm. In what what part? I think... that you don't see him leaving, or that you don't? No, the the more so the the one man team kind of aspect for a few years, as Louis said. Because if you there's a problem with it that I'll get to after. But if you ask me this question now, do I think Jokic as your best player, Jamal Murray as your second best player, and MPJ as your third? with the right pieces around them, could they win a championship in the future? My answer would be yes. Uh, And in that sense, that's where I say, I don't think it's a one-man team. I think you have to remember, Jamal Murray's still 24, Jokic is 26, MPJ's obviously very young. There's a lot of room for them to grow still. And I think they'll be, if they manage to keep them all healthy, which is the point I'll get to, then I think they 100% can win a championship in a few years' time. But one thing you hate to see and it's across all sports, and I know Charles Barkley said this a lot of the time, you 
should not be getting these big injuries at a young age. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's where you should be, you know, sort of that quote unquote indestructible type. You know, yes, when your body's kind of like that. I know a lot of people say that when they're in like when they're kids and they're just like bouncing off the walls and they're fine. But towards sports, when you're younger, you really don't want to pick up those injuries early because they tend to reappear as your career goes on. And taking that in mind, that's obviously where what I said earlier, you weigh up and you think, actually, could that really happen because of injuries? But if they're fully fit, I fully believe in that Denver team, or those players at least. Um, just to clarify my early mistake, it was Phoenix. They lost two in the second round last last season. They, yeah, beat, they Portland, beat Portland, didn't they? Yeah. Which is a team we probably will talk about as well on this podcast there because they're going through kind of similar struggles. Yeah. I, now that I think about it, maybe it was a bit harsh to say it'll be the one man team for a yeah, 100%. 100%. Because I, I think the West is kind of open still. I, that, that's what sort of disappoints me more. If all of those three were there, and they had Aaron Golden because when they had three of them there and Aaron Golden for a couple games, even after the trade deadline last year, they looked like a real sleeper contender that could actually make the NBA finals. And, you know, mm. they might have done. Who knows? You know, Phoenix got a very favourable run there in the end. But, yeah, if they if they can get them all back together and then, you know, the West isn't sort of dominated by one big player anymore, I don't think the Lakers are that entity. The Warriors are pretty good, but I think they can be beaten. Phoenix and mm. you know Chris Paul's only going to get older. It's yeah, there, there's a chance there, but I just feel like getting all of them together in one place at the same time, um, uninjured, might be. A bit yeah, difficult. exactly. That's the real question mark. I think. <clears throat> Indeed, yeah. I mean, so I think realistically, the the Nuggets now are kind of going to we'll need to get like second round of the playoffs. Is what I think. So, um, I don't it, know if they'll be able to do is. that. To be honest. You don't think they get a second round? I'm not sure if if I mean Jamal Jamal is probably not going to be back like then, is he? Maybe I feel like he could probably so. play, but I don't know if I don't, I don't know, know if yeah, it'll be it. the case if MPJ's yeah. out, and then I'm not so sure if they'd risk it, it, it. So if it was just Jokic, Gordon, and the rest of the team, I, I think that's probably a first round exit. To be honest, they're they're in the eighth seed at the moment. I will say mm. that eleven and twelve. Uh, Oh, and look, if you look at their past 10, their past yeah. 10 have been awful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not looking great. Two and eight. Uh, so I, I think Jokic just give you a certain amount of wins in the season. So I'm not sure. They'll, they'll make the yeah. playoffs, obviously. But I'd, with that, just team as it is, and maybe a very not healthy Jamal Murray, yeah, I'd, I'd see a first round exit as well, personally. Um. Right, well, let's move on to the team that you were just mentioning about, uh, Louis, a second ago, the Portland Trailblazers. Lots of reports coming out. Um, I've seen them sort of less yesterday evening, sort of today afternoon, um, that Damien Lillard wants to play with Ben Simmons. Um, I don't think that this was a shock to anybody. I thought it was not the NBA's most sort of worst-kept secret, but I think it was. Uh, it's, it's been pretty much known around sort of the basketball community that Dame Lillard is a big fan of Ben Simmons and there was talks earlier in the year of trying to get potentially a swap of the two of them but I think that they were rubbish because Ben Simmons worth and what Philly could offer could never really match what Portland Raiders and and the trade value of uh, Damien Lillard and then obviously there was the things around Ben Simmons being traded for CJ McCollum and then some picks on or some players on, on Portland's side but 
Portland have not started the season well. They're 11 and 14. Uh, they did just lose at home to the Clippers. Um, it was a good game, that one, in terms of just watching general highlights from, from the NBA that you see. Paul George didn't necessarily have his finest of games, but still came up big in moments for the Clippers, and that's sort of what he's been doing all year for them. Do you really see a way in which Dame is going to end up playing with Ben Simmons? Do you think Philly are going to break themselves now after they've ridden out everything with Ben Simmons this far? Do you think they'll end up breaking it and, and trading them off? I mean, what I will say is Philly are now in a much better position yeah. with what's happened, with how bad Portland have been. And they seem to have managed to quell all the drama surrounding Ben Simmons. He's still obviously working behind the scenes well, and not with the it, team. It, help, it helps that Philly... I mean, they've not been like breaking any records or they've not been at their like, fluid best, but... They're putting up games now. Now that Embiid's back, now that Tobias Harris is back after the COVID protocols, Seth Curry's back. You know, Shake Milton's been playing good for them in the point. I think it's it, it's alleviated some of the pressure. Like if they'd have started this season and they'd be like nine and fifteen, then it'll all be on like what the hell are they going to do with Ben Simmons? But because they're doing well, it's not necessarily the the main. Yeah, issue I mean, Philly, Philly are doing all right at the moment, you should say. But as I said, the main thing is because of what's happened. I still don't think a Dame Simmons trade is ever going to happen. No, I don't. I don't really thoughts about that. I just, I just don't see it happening. Dame just a far better player. But the obviously the McCollum ones are more interesting trade. But the difference is now, you know, when you were talking about before, what Portland have to give up, they'd have to give up a hell of a lot more now than they would have had to at the start of the season. Now, now you're talking multiple first rounders. You know, a, a few of those young players. I, I don't even, and even then, it. I don't even think Philly, Philly might have to get a third team involved. Yeah, this is the, this is the thing because now I I can't really see where it where the value is in this for Philly because all right, CJ McCollum is a fantastic asset and he'd be a great piece of the Sixers, but he's not necessarily what they need. So I think they'd have to get a third team involved for something that they'd want because in that two position, they've got Matisse Thibault, they've got Steph Curry, they've got Danny Green. They're not necessarily crying. And I know that CJ McCollum is way better than all of those, but it's not necessarily what... like To give up what Ben Simmons can be is not necessarily what the Sixers are going to want to do just to get a small improvement upon their two, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, CJ McCollum's more of a combo guard, but even then they've still got, as you say, Steph Curry and then Tyrese Maxey, so that's two players already. And obviously McCollum's a massive upgrade, but as you say, there's positions and things they'd want to fill over that type yeah. of player. It'll have to be a three-team trade for me if this ever comes about. All, yeah, all I, all I think I agree with you, actually. All I will say is you're talking about what Simmons can be like he's ever going to play for the Sixers again, and I just don't see that being a situation that ever really unfolds. I, I don't know about our review. I just can't see him but, playing through. I mean, I can on the premise of that he's not going to sit there and never play again. The six, they're, they're not going to, but I don't see the Sixers buckling. If he doesn't want to move and they don't force him out, they will play him. Yeah. Or they'll just hold him and he won't play again. It's as simple as I, I think no. they'll hold him, but only for the season. I don't think I could see a scenario in which they just hold him for multiple years. I do think they're going to end up trading him. It's just the, the point is, they're now in a much better position than they were at yeah. the start of the, the season. The, the, they was so. never going to get... It's, it's the case of being sort of strong-armed into giving him up for a lot less than what he's worth. Yeah. He, was just, he was just coming off of an absolutely terrible playoffs of everything around it. And that mm. just hurt. That he was at his lowest ever value then. 
Like you, yeah, but 100%. what you'd have got for him then, you, you'll get more for him now on the premise of that. There, there even could be some teams towards the end when they're wanting to just try and bolster just before they push on. And a, da- and, a, and a Ben Simmons for some teams it would be an unbelievable asset for the defensive end that he offers. It just is. I, I, I still maintain it. Like it, it'll, it, oh, yeah, everyone maintains it. it. Yeah, it, no, like, no one disagrees with that. His asset, his value has obviously decreased, but he's still worth a, a lot more than what a lot of cl- a lot of teams are going to be able to offer. So, yeah, no, I, I do agree. I think going back to sort sort of the Portland aspects, whereas I never thought they would even consider trading Dame before. Um, I I get the sense that it may be sort of coming to a bit more realisation. And it will only happen if he ever demands it, which I think will be the most difficult point because, you know, he's very loyal to, to that franchise. He's always been about not forming super teams, all that sort of stuff. But the team, as is currently constructed, is not going to go anywhere. They are at highest. Their ceiling is a first round and out. And... You know, they've come back from scenarios before where they got swept by the Pelicans a couple of years ago. Um, they came the next season, made the Western Conference Finals and, and stuff like that. I just, yeah, the, it, the defensively, this team, like the Portland team, is just an absolute mess. Uh, mm. And that's a result of having those two small guards and they just can't cover it. Um, it's not working in that sense anymore because... And and Dame's not been very good this season either, but he's out injured at the moment, so maybe I'll give him a little bit of respite. So, you know, I, I don't think a Ben Simmons Dame of the trade would happen without significant draft capital going towards the Portland Trailblazers as well. But I, I do feel like there's more of a sense of that Portland might blow it up, especially because now the GM's been fired. I think the president's left as well, uh, President president of basketball operation so mm-hmm. i'm not sure there's that sense of loyalty to that team to that backcourt that we've had over the last couple of years and i think it is time to to move on but i can understand why when you've got like a potential top 10 player in damon i'm not sure where everyone would put him but you know around about then if not 10 you know early teens or whatever mm-hmm. um i can understand why it can be difficult to to let go of that really this team's just, it's going to go nowhere. Um, and it might not even make the playoffs. And I think they're sort of shelling out too much money and for, for that to happen, really. So I would watch that Portland situation quite closely because I feel it's the more, more you know, the most likely out of anyone to, to do sort of a blow up or the panic trade, shall we say. Sacramento would be second on that list for me. What in in the three teams, Sacramento? No, no, I'm saying of the of the teams that I feel like are just on the verge of making a trade. That's sort of like you know, like how the Orlando Magic did last year, and they just oh, like, right, yeah, let's let's just blow it up, sort of hand these out, yeah. Them and then the Sacramento Kings because the Sacramento. Well, I mean, the Sacramento Kings have never even made the playoffs. At least Portland Trailblazers have made the Western Conference Finals, but those are the two that I would keep my eye on personally. Yeah, I probably agree with you. Um. Anyway, moving on. Uh, another topic I want to discuss is uh, I don't I don't think we've we've really spoken. I don't think we spoke about them too much last time. But um, on the on the topic of sort of the Denver Nuggets' chances and 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 we're talking about title contenders a little bit. What are your feelings with Brooklyn Nets right now and Kevin Durant? 
Kevin Durant is very, very quickly closing on Steph Curry in the MVP race. I'll say that first. I think he's playing out of his mind. It seems as though Harden's coming back bit by bit. He's playing better than he was at the start. And um, what I will say, if you if you ask my thoughts on the Nets as a whole, if you ask me to pick who's coming out of the East right now, I think I probably would say Nets still, even with what's happened. So there you go. <laughs> but um, I mean, so in terms of it, the the point, I sort of already want to get out here is that for the Nets again, despite not having obviously Kyrie, and it doesn't look like that situation is going to be changing anytime soon. Is it championship or fail for them? I still think it is, but they have an excuse in the Kyrie. Like, if, if they made the NBA finals, that's surely a positive for them, even if they lost. Yeah, that, yeah. Right? You know what? That's true. Actually, I'll say that. If if they can't, the the goal should still be to come out of the East at a uh, minimum. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that as well. I saw, you know, the sort of meme that's been going about Twitter of the the guy on the bus and he's looking out the view. There's one of them looking out the view oh, and he's yeah. really happy, and the guy looking at the cliff mm-hmm. and he's really sad. I saw one of those sort of related to Brooklyn Nets fans, and it's like one the, the happy guy just sort of appreciating KD and Harden, and then the sad guy thinking, "Oh, if, if only we had Kyrie." It's a <laughs> difficult one to sort of assess, really, isn't it? Because you know those those two, KD and Harden, are two top ten players in the league, and I don't and bar the the, the Los Angeles Lakers, I don't think any other team in the league really has that. That that's something they'll always have. And if KD doesn't step over, you know, his big toe isn't over a line last season, he beats the Milwaukee Bucks on their own. I, mm. I, I the, the, the times I've watched them, I've not been enamoured with the basketball they play personally. Mm. But I do think playoff basketball a lot of the time comes down to stars and the big players win you the games. So I, I, I'd pick the Milwaukee Bucks over them. Just slightly, because I do think Yanis figured stuff out in the playoffs last year that makes him just much more formidable a threat. And they don't have absolutely anyone that can guard Yanis. Like the thing about KD, but yeah, I mean the thing with it as well. Since since the Bucks have have been back and since they've had Holiday, Middleton, and Mm. Yanis all back on the floor, I think I saw a thing that they're nine and zero with those three in the league. Yeah, they've had a. They've they've been out with different games or rest management, yeah. game management. They've had a resurgence. The last yeah. ten, the nine and one. Yeah. yeah, they started off a bit shaky, but when them three are back, they look unbelievable. The Bucks. They, they would be my two to get to yeah. the conference finals if it matches up that way. If they're on different sides of the bracket, we did say about MPJ's back surgery. I believe Brook Lopez been back surgery mm. as well. I think he's out for the rest of the season, and I think that will be a big blow to them because he's pretty important in terms of rim protection. Stuff and like space that. I think, yeah, well. exactly. Yeah. I think you can find those guys well, elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, they just picked up Boogie Cousins. Louis. Yeah, well, mm. <laughs> it's a defensive, yeah, <laughs> defensive masterclass from Boogie Cousins. The guy's ring chasing more than anyone. But he seems to always just pick the wrong horse in that race. Uh, but I, I, I would agree. I think those two are probably the favorite. I, I, sneakily, I do quite like their Miami Heat with, um, you know, sort of a resurgent Tyler Hero. Kyle Lowry brings a little bit more. Stability in terms of playmaking for them, and um, that that would be my third pick. The, the the thing is with the Sixers, which you know I do agree, CJ McCollum's not sort of like a desperate. You think, oh, what a blockbuster they got CJ McCollum, mm. but it feels like you are kind of 
wasting a, a year of Joel Embiid's prime. And the differences with Joel Embiid and Jokic, which I said a bit earlier, if you're wasting his prime, you know, Joel Embiid's quite a, lo- a lot more fragile than Nikola Jokic is. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if they made a move, they could be up there as well. I don't really trust the Celtics that much. And then the rest is kind yeah. of a bit of a free-for-all. I mean, so. I'll be honest, I'd pick the Bulls before the Heat. Even oh, though they're, sorry. they're a I new team. But, yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, they played the Nets and they beat the Nets. Lonzo hit that dagger three and did the little, like, pulls to see if he's guiding, which I quite liked. And a, a confident Lonzo is the best version of himself by an absolute mile. Yeah. And it seems like he's building a lot of that in in Chicago. And so I do like the Bulls, but even though they just beat the Nets and they are currently above the Bucks, I would have them below them too, purely yeah. because that their style of player Basketball is heritage. below... Yanis and KD, obviously. And then there are a much newer team, so I've got less confidence in them than the ones that have yeah, somewhat proved. Especially the Bucks, obviously, but the Nets have just, also proved in the playoffs that they can perform. It just annoys me when I look at this and I just see the Jazz there. It's just like, you just know what's going to happen with the Jazz. I know. I don't even bother talking about them anymore because it's just... <laughs> I don't want to sound like I'm a massive... And I apologise if you're listening to this podcast and you're a massive... You are a hater, to be fair. You are a hater. It's not even like a hater in that sense. It's just like you know what you're going to get with the Jazz every no, time. No, you are a hater. No, but, the, no, but it's... it's it, it is primarily. He isn't wrong. He isn't wrong. I'm not wrong. Like what? You know what you're going to get from the Jazz. You're, like, you're you not wrong do. in saying what you're getting for the Jazz. I agree. But when you start picking on individual players, I'll say. Well, no, there's one player. Jazz. There's one player in the Jazz. That's, that's too much. Yeah, you, it's just one. Player uh, you know, yeah, you just hate on Rudy Gobert. I'll be honest. Yeah, because Rudy, he's just. Oh, it just annoys me. Well, that, we'll that. save that for another day. Just, because we, just, we've like, run that dry. Mike Conley, get out of there. Donovan Mitchell, get out of there. and Actually go to a franchise that's going to compete for a championship that isn't based around one big lump of wood. I mean, I'm playing the playoffs, however. Whatever. But, yeah, I mean, as you say, the Jazz are very consistent in the regular season. They'll get a home playoff series without a doubt. But yep. you just, as you say, you don't have they're, faith they're, in yeah. that team the way it's constructed to to get out of the get out of the West and probably and definitely this season anyway to not get. But to as the it stands right now, they'd get the Mavs. I'll be taking the Mavs and them in the playoffs hundred percent. I'll tell you what, Chris Porzingis has actually been alright this season. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'd, I'd take the Jazz over the Mavs. No, no, I wouldn't. I don't. I, I, I don't really like the Mavs so far this year. Was nah, a bit of Luka Magic. Chris Stapps has been better. Bit of Luka Magic. T- THJ sitting in the corner draining it from free. Um, but but yeah, anyway. say, you know, I say that it's early days still. It is. It's very early days. Um, I mean, last week I was talking about how the Houston Rockets could be going for the worst record yeah, in the NBA, and they decided to then win three games out of like five, and now the Pistons they've won are like six. Four they've won six on the bounce. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, like the Houston Rockets <laughs> just turned it up as soon as I said that. So that was yeah. the biggest jinx thing I could have done for a team. So I'll do it for the Pistons now. Actually, four and nineteen, going for the worst record in the NBA. <laughs> if you're going for your for your parlays, your accumulators, get on the Pistons. That's some non non official advice. That is right there. Um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, Moving on, I think there was was there there was one more thing I had on my notes I wanted to talk about. So let me just let me just have a little scroll on it down. Uh, Jokic and Nuggets we discussed. Kevin Durant. Oh yeah, I did want to discuss the uh, the resurgence. I'd say of the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and, and Jared Allen being an absolute big man for them um, this season. It's sort of uh, no one would have been expecting twenty five games in that the Cavs are above five hundred. I'll put that out there right now. Um, and it's sort of it's thrown a 
it has thrown a surprise about of Laurie Markkinen being a bit of a gunman, Darius Garland doing well. Did you have Darius Garland as a an award last year, Louis? I can't remember. No, I had him yeah, for rookie of the year a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was. That was I didn't pick him, but I did mention Markham for potentially most improved this year. I then went and picked Aries Halliburton, so that was a great decision by me. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been quite bad, hasn't he? Yeah, and I mean, I Kevin, say... Kevin, Kevin Love's even enjoying his basketball. <laughs> yeah, but and the thing about the Cavs as well is it's not like they've really had peaks and troughs. They've kind of just been quite steady going along about where they are, and that that's the consistency is something that you want to see out of a team that you have a lot of unknowns that you're not really sure about. They seem to know their identity. They're playing big, you know, they're using two of Mobley, Allen or Markman most of the time on the court, which everyone was interested to see how, how it would work, but it seems to have worked pretty well. So full credit to, to the Cavaliers for having a starting off the season pretty well. I know they're ninth at the moment, but, as you say, it's, it, the way they're performing is definitely over the expectations of what everyone expected at the start of the year. Yeah, I think the the size really sort of amplifies them on defense, particularly if you look at defensive rating, they are fourth in the league right now, just mm. below. Clippers, Suns, Golden State Warriors, all really excellent defensive teams. Um, I really. Uh, I mean, Jarrett Allen's been fantastic. I think he's been an all-star this year, if I were to sort of vote right now. Um, yeah, I would do. Yeah. Um, but I, I do love Evan Mobley. I think his mm. sort of transition into the NBA is really quite surprising. You know, I thought he was good. I wasn't sure he should go number one. I thought Cade was sort of clear number one for me. But the way that um, he sort of transitioned into the NBA... He doesn't seem to sort of get pushed about. He's in the right place at the right time. And his offense is there already to begin with. I'm really sort of excited to see where that goes. And I think they've just sort of amassed a good sort of young core together. I mean, they've been in the lottery like five years in a row, so they probably should have done. But, you know, I like Okoro. Sexton's obviously been injured. And I kind of think he doesn't really suit the team very much anymore anyway, so it doesn't matter. But Darius Garland... I think he got like 30 plus points the other night and he's been decent. So, yeah, I, I like that core that they've got around it. And like you said, if they can get Kevin Love invested, um, that man has been pining for a trade for years. And no <laughs> one of the, forgot- the most forgotten man in the NBA, I'd say. He hasn't yeah, really certainly. been loved. But, I mean, he's on an absolutely ridiculous contract for his sort mm. of quality, age, and, you know, injury history. So, only, only himself to blame, but I'm sure he's enjoying himself right now. And I think, you know, sneaky. Do you think maybe a, a nice little LeBron return home for his uh, retirement? <laughs> or... <laughs> oh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> now that would be something to see. But um, yeah, I, I enjoy watching them quite a lot. I enjoy watching them more than LeBron's current team, anyway. What, yeah, well, I don't what... even think Lakers fans like watching. <laughs> nah, LeBron. Yeah, I mean, I think LeBron's already stated that he wants to end his career and as a, as a Laker anyway for it. But mm-hmm. um, we'll see about that. Yeah, the uh, just as a random small off topic, I know we might talk about Lamelo and Lonzo, and uh, I know we touched on Lonzo earlier. But um, <laughs> did you see the uh, the Charlotte Hornets uh, highlights from the game the other night of Gordon Hayward? By any chance? I did not. Did you see anything going around particular on NBA Twitter about Gordon Hayward? 
No, I didn't. To be fair, um, I think it was at the Philly game, and um, <laughs> there was uh, a whole thing of Gordon Hayward chasing a loose ball, and then you know, as it happens in the NBA quite a lot, because the the fans are seated so close to the action, he uh, accidentally fell into a fan. But do you know who that fan was? Who was it? The baby. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the whole thing of Gordon Hayward and the baby sitting there like high fiving each other coming out of midway through the game. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit of a random off-topic one for that. Um, I mean, that's that's me done in terms of the notes that I wanted to discuss. Is there anything in particular? Like we've got just under ten minutes left. Is there anything? You uh, to... Yeah, I was just gonna highlight a couple. Chew the fat on playing, playing pretty well. We haven't really spoken too much this season about the Atlanta Hawks. And I will say, you talked about All-Stars. Trey Young is playing unbelievably right now. And there was a lot of conversation about how the whole new rules regarding shooting and chasing free throws would affect players. And the two that came up were James Harden and, and Trey Young. And I know, you know most people have singled out Harden and how he's been playing and Obviously, at the start of the year, he wasn't performing to the heights that people expected. And a lot of people blamed it partially on that, which I think was unjust. But if you look at Trey Young's free throws, they're also down a decent chunk from last year. But I think his level of performance has still been pretty high and at least as high as it was last year. And you look at where the Hawks are now, they've got the same record as the Cavs. But whereas the Cavs have been somewhat consistent, the Hawks started off pretty badly and now they're on a bit of a resurgence. And I'm expecting to see pretty quickly the Hawks starting to climb that Eastern Conference. Yeah, I would agree with you as well because I think throughout the course of the season, I think it's just sort of easier to to get across the line with just very good offence. And I think it was just sort of a bit of a mismatch of too many players basically they they have too many good players some like you can have too many good players sometimes and I think they're all sort of struggling to find their roles within that and I do think Trey Young st- struggled at the start as well with the rule changes so I think that's what yeah it's true the, the, start, the start what did make a difference but of, of late at least the last 10 games he's been performing excellently oh yeah definitely and I think overall they've been they've been quite good uh Yep, second in offensive rating, which is kind of exactly where I expect them to be. Right behind the U- the Utah Jazz, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, they they are always. I wasn't too sort of dissuaded by their start. I always knew they'd sort of end up mm. end up good. I think just have some sort of questions about their ceiling, how they'll you know continue to build around Trey. I don't think there's too much pressure right now because you know I think they did overperform massively last season to get to the Eastern Conference Finals mm-hmm. um, and and that's sort of given them a bit of respite because Trey was getting a bit tetchy beforehand, that's why they made all those trades in that, you know, before that season, made all those free agency signers because they wanted to make the playoffs um, mm-hmm. and they did, so, so that bought them a bit of time, I just think this team needed a little bit more defence, I think it'd be nice if sort of DeAndre Hunter could stay on the floor because I really like him and Cam Reddish could actually develop somewhat and uh, sort somewhat justify my pick for him being most improved player before the season started. But I always knew that was a bit shot, unfortunately. 
yeah. Uh, the, the weird one for me is the the fall off of Lou Williams a bit in the uh, in the Hawks. But I mean, there's been a few of those sort of six man of the years that have been gone and took their move and, and not really done as well. Whenever I think of the Hawks this year, I always think of the um, Knicks fans after the game just going absolutely berserk. I think it was a Knicks. Bro, on site talk. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, I love all that <laughs> sort of stuff. So um, I do remember that. But to, to cut this Hawks talk. Um, oh, Hawks talk! I was like, oh, didn't even think of that one. To cut to to cut that short, there has been a shams bomb quite quickly Ooh. in this uh, as as one, mm. and it is that the Indiana Pacers are moving towards a rebuild. Receptive trade talk centered on Karis Levert, Demantis Sabonis, and or Miles Turner. So it looks like they're going to start trying to blow things up. So that's yeah. gonna that's gonna move a few things because once as soon as one sort of major move happens, then quite a few follow suit. The the teams then start aligning themselves with who are going to be bailing this year and who's really going to be competing. So, I mean, if, if a player like Sabonis comes on the market, then a few teams are going to be making some moves for that, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't really know where I, he'd go, but... I, I, I did think about the Pacers, actually, before the podcast, and I'm surprised that I didn't think of it when you were talking about teams that were going to potentially blow up. I do think the Pacers might get rid of Sabonis. I think Sabonis will be the one if they get, if they get rid of anyone and just blow it up. I mean, he's the one with the most trade value. There's no doubt about that. But yeah. It would I be... I don't know where... I, like, I mean, I don't know where he'd fit, though. I mean, you can find spaces for Karis LeVert and you can find teams for, for that sort of player, but for the trade value that they're going to want to get, especially to to go full rebuild, I don't know what they're gonna where they're going to get that now for Sabonis. I mean, well, I think... his dad played in Portland, is what I was going to say. And... Mm. But the the young that's the difficulty with any Portland traders. Their young assets are just not very good. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I think Portland would be the first one that came to mind for me. And as you say, it's a nice little family link there. But <laughs> I think the problem with someone like Sabonis is, and obviously Sabonis is the best players on the best player on the Pacers. But of the other ones, they could potentially trade. You can you can put them on a lot of different teams, whereas Sabonis is someone you've really got to kind of build around to get the best out of him, mm-hmm. which makes yeah. it more difficult to to put him on multi or get multiple offers from him. I'm just thinking now, one per, another team that potentially fit quite well would be the Warriors, but I don't think they'd want to do something as drastic as that right now, considering how well they've they've been doing. Yeah, I think. Miles Turner, I think, would suit quite a lot of teams because he's just, yeah. you know, I think he's leading the league in maybe not blocks per game, but definitely blocks um, yeah, this something. season. He's a really good rim protector. He can shoot the free, just not very reliably. Um, he's one I'd sort of think could suit the Warriors a little bit more. And if you could be like, oh, we'll take James Wiseman, uh, maybe Kaminga, never know. Um, in sort of return, that, that could maybe. And then, then some salary fillers, obviously, that could maybe work. Um, Sabonis seems very Spursy to me. I could see him on the Spurs for some reason. He just strikes me as that type of player. But it is difficult because, like you say, kind of not not to the level, but kind of Jokic esque. The way play kind of goes through him, and you know his passing yeah. and stuff like that. Not your traditional style big man. So that'll be interesting. Karis Avert's trade value must be quite low as we speak because you know injury like, history. Do you think a team like Charlotte have got any sort of Assets that they could give up for a player like Karis Levert, uh, not Karis Levert, Sabonis. No, mm. I was thinking, what other teams are there? Hornets, I 
I mean, if the Wizards are in a win now mode, uh, <laughs> sitting fifth, uh, there's something along those lines yeah, of a deal done. Um, potentially the Knicks, but again, I don't really see something like that. I don't no, know. It's, no. it's all fresh, but yeah, S- Sacramento maybe. Sacramento for for Sabonis. Maybe I, the Timberwolves. I, I, I think a, a, a team like. <laughs> A player like Sabonis, and well, maybe not Sabonis, but someone like Karis Levert and a few of the other players, they are prime players to be involved in the three team a three team trade. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, um, of where they'll just pick up as a nice additional piece when challenging, take a couple of picks and some young players as some salary fillers, and and, and go that way. So, um, I think that's probably what we're, we're more than likely to see there. So, um, but I'm gonna uh, unless you two have got anything else to say, I'm gonna wrap that one up here. No, I think that's about everything. I think we're all good. Yeah. Um, we're on the road to 100 podcasts pretty soon now, so it's uh, exciting times. So um, stay tuned for anything around that. Uh, we may have some Christmas giveaways to be done, so stay tuned on our social medias. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or whatever, at SwingmanPod. Um, check out our website as well. Everything's on there, www.swingmanpod.com. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts from, if you could subscribe, leave us a review, that would help more than you can imagine. Um, and yeah, that's that. Uh, stay safe and we will catch you in the next podcast. Cheers.